Good morning. Oh, I caught you off guard. Let's try it again. Good morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're better looking than who I usually sit with. Go ahead. My name is Dan Sutherland. I'm a church planter from uh, West Shawnee and glad to be with you today. It's my third time with you. Let me ask your forgiveness on the hat. Um, I have a uh, rash that breaks out every year in the first dry, cold spell that we have. Sometimes it's on my knees. Sometimes it's on my elbows. This year, it's in my scalp. It's lovely. I cannot give it to you. It's not contagious. But this hat is covering a multitude of sins. So I'm just going to leave it on and ask your forgiveness today. It's an honor to be with you. I will tell you that every time that I am here. It's an honor for two reasons. One, I love your pastor. I am a Christian Newsom fan. I just love the man. When I first met him 10 years ago, it's obvious that this young man had an unusual heart for God, an unusual heart for people, and an unusual anointing on his life. It's more than a giftedness. It's a God-using-him thing. And I am blessed by that. It's always a privilege to be here. But it's a privilege to be with you. As I look across Kansas City, I've been asking God to raise up flagship churches in each quadrant of the city, churches that other churches can follow, churches that other churches can turn to. And that's true in the Northwest Quadrant with Restore Community Church. That's true in the Northeast with Church of the Four Corners. It is true in the Southwest with Heartland and with Westside. And it is true now in the Southeast with Journey Church. God's using you guys big time. So turn to your neighbor one more time and say, it can't be you, it must be God. Tell them. Now, if y'all are saying this to your wives, men, we have counselors available at the end of the service. Hey, it's my privilege today to continue the series we're doing on peace. And peace, in my mind, is the right series for Christmas. In the Old Testament, we have the prophecy that says, a child will be born to you, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of, say it with me, peace. That's who he is. And then we have the angels coming and saying, behold, I bring you great news of of a child being born. He's going to bring peace to all men. And then finally, Jesus himself said these words. This is the verse we're going to focus on today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, that verse has got an unusual phrase in it. It literally says that Jesus gives us peace. One of my convictions is that a Christ follower does two things. They obey what Jesus teaches. You agree with that? And they do what Jesus does. If you're going to follow somebody, you obey what they teach and you do what they do. So when scripture says Jesus is doing something, he's saying to all of us, I'm inviting you to do that as well. And in this passage, it says he gives away peace. So we're going to talk about that today. I have never taught a lesson on giving away peace. Thank you, Christian, for this assignment. 
In 40 years of speaking, I have not done this lesson. It's going to be fun. So in week one, in this peace series, we talked about how to have peace. You cannot give away what you do not have. Peace begins here between us and God. Last week, we talked about how do you bring peace? How do you bring peace to your home? How do you bring peace to your, your workplace? How do you bring peace to your neighborhood? Today, how do you give peace? How do you and I become peace givers? There's three ideas today. Here's how I'd like to invite you to listen. Listen for the truth where God just nudges you. Listen for the moment when God says, Psst, that's why I had you here today. I wanted you to hear that one thing. Because if God doesn't speak, we're wasting our time. We want him to speak to us today. Let's look together what the scripture says. Three things about peace. I'm always a Trinitarian speaker. I mean, for me, the scripture just breaks out in three and four points at a time. Here's what this verse says to me. First, peace is relational. Would you note that? Peace is relational. It moves from person to person. God wants to give us all peace. Now stop for a minute. When Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, he's talking about all of mankind. He's inviting all of us to him. He wants a relationship with every human being that is the source of true peace. But let's define peace. I mean, you could spend a day trying to get a hold of peace. I spent some time this week wrestling with this definition. This is my definition. So if you like it, great. If you don't, I'm going home in a few hours. It's all good. Peace is the sense of calmness and contentment. I think it's both. The sense of calmness and contentment that comes when you are right with God, that's this direction, and right with others, that's this direction. Are you already catching this? Peace comes, it's the calmness and the contentment that comes when your relationship with God is right and your relationship with others is right. Do you see what I see in this? It requires a cross to have peace because it's this relationship intersecting this relationship. You can have peace with God, and yet if there's a war going on in your house, you don't have peace. I have been married this coming year 43 years. Yeah, my wife deserves a medal. And here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that when Proverbs says it's better to live on the roof of the house than in the house with an angry woman, it's right. It's absolutely true. I mean, if you don't have peace with your wife, there ain't no peace in your home. If you don't have peace with your friends, there's no peace in your heart. If you don't have peace with others, this is why Paul tells us as far as possible, far as it depends on you, be at peace with all. Here's a prediction. Some of you are worried about Christmas because there's somebody coming to your house or you're going to their house and you're not at peace with them. Maybe an in-law, maybe an outlaw. Maybe a friend, maybe a former friend. And you're wondering, how is this going to work? God says, give them peace. Be right with God. Be right with them. Now, does that mean you got to get along with them? No, I don't get along with me. There are moments when I argue with myself. But peace, the calmness, the contentment that God wants to give us is relational. This relationship, these relationships. 
Somebody led you to Christ. Somebody built a relationship with you that enabled them to share Jesus with you. It may have been a parent. It may have been a friend. For me, it was my youth pastor. And years later, after college, I married that woman. That's a fun story. I saw something in her that I didn't have. And because she offered relationship to me, I was able to find the peace of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. The gospel travels best over relationship bridges. That's how people come to Christ, over relationship bridges. So peace, first, is relational. Second idea, maybe this one has your name on it. Peace is viral. Peace is viral. We are very blessed, Mary and I, in that both of our adult kids and the folks they married live here in Kansas City. That means all six of our grandkids are here in Kansas City. Grandkids are the best part of life. They are God's reward for not killing your kids. In fact, parent, the next time you're thinking, I'm going to kill this kid, remind yourself, there's a better one coming. There's a better one coming. Just just hang in. There's a better one coming. So we've got all of this going on. So it means a couple of times every month, we get together on Sunday afternoon, watch a little football, eat a little food. I play silly games with the grandkids. I mean, wow, this is great stuff. Two weeks ago, our grandson Hudson, who is a trip, was just getting over the stomach bug. Almost. And he came to the Sunday gathering. He was feeling better. But two days later, my wife has the stomach bug. And two days after that, I have the stomach bug. Why? It's a virus. It's a virus. It moves from person to person. It moves by contact. When I'm contagious with a virus, you're going to get it if we hang out together. The gospel is supposed to be viral. The peace of God is supposed to be so strong in me that if people hang out with me, it spills over on them. It's contagious to them. It spreads to them. For the first 300 years of Christianity, it was so viral that it spread from person to person. Without buildings, without budgets, without dollars, they managed to win so many people to Christ. Jesus said, my peace I give you. That word give is the exact same word as giving somebody the stomach bug. It's a contagious giving. It's a viral giving. You can't give away what you don't have. That's why I start by making sure my relationship with God and my relationship with others is right. So I have that calmness and that contentment. But when I have it, it ought to draw others to Christ. They ought to look at my life and say, I want some of that. I want what that guy's got. It's viral. You can see this in the early disciples. It's interesting. Jesus tells Andrew to follow him, and Andrew brings his brother. And then Jesus tells James to follow him, and he brings John. I mean, they're always bringing somebody else. That's what the gospel does. It's viral. It spreads. But my favorite example of it being viral is in John chapter 4. Now, if you haven't figured it out, I'm sort of an off-the-road kind of person. 
I drive in old trucks so that if I want to go mudding, I can go mudding. If I want to go hunting or fishing, I can go hunting or fishing. I live off the road and I think off the road and sometimes my very soul is a little bit off the road. So I love John 4 because Jesus goes off road. He violates all kinds of societal rules in John chapter 4. First, he's traveling with his disciples from Judea, that's the southern part of Israel, to Galilee, that's the northern part. And he tells them, we must go through Samaria. Now, you and I don't get that, but here's what it means. We're going to go through the worst part of town. We're going to go through the neighborhood that nobody goes through. In fact, Jews, literally, instead of making the 30-mile trip from Judea to Galilee by going through Samaria on the main road, would make a 60-mile trip. They'd go to the border of Samaria, go around it, and then continue into Galilee. And you're thinking, I've done that. I mean, if it's rush hour, I don't go through downtown. I'll take the loop around. It may be a little longer, but it's quicker. They weren't driving. They were walking. And the difference in a 30-mile walk, which is a three-day journey, and a 60-mile walk is that it takes six days to do it. Jesus says, we're not doing it. We're going through the wrong part of town. We're going to the wrong side of the tracks. We're going to go hang out with people that you guys don't like, that you guys don't want to hang out with. They go through Samaria. And they get to this little town there with a well that's famous to way back in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, I'm going to rest. You guys go on to the town. It's a couple more miles. And, uh, you know, y'all come back with some food. And I'm going to sit here while he's sitting there in a part of town he's not supposed to be in. In a place where he's not supposed to be. A woman comes up and she's a Samaritan woman. And Jews did not speak to Samaritans. He violates this one. He's off-road. He's mudding. He starts talking to her, and soon he finds out that she worships differently, and he reveals who he is to her, and she professes her faith in Christ and goes back to town. Well, she, she's literally leaving as the disciples are coming up, and they're going, why are you talking to her? Here's the fun part for me. The disciples went to town and brought back sandwiches. This woman goes to town and brings back the whole town. It literally says the whole village follows her out to hear about Jesus. Why? Because she's contagious. She's viral. She has caught the bug that is Jesus. That's our opportunity this time of year for the gospel to be relational. It travels over peace bridges when we're right this way. And when we're right this way, for it to be viral, let it get spread from person to person. But here's the part I want to spend some time on today, and then I want to encourage you to do something about. This third piece is the doable part. Ready? Peace is not only relational and viral, it's invitational. Peace is invitational. God wants to give every man, woman, and child peace, but he will not force you to it. He invites you to it. I'm into trilogies in movies. I love the fact that there's lots of versions of Star Wars. I love the fact there's lots of Star Trek movies. And I love the Matrix trilogy. Just love it. I love the fight scenes. I admit it. 
And one of the favorite parts of that movie for me is every fight scene, the main character does this deep breath thing. Then he puts his hand out, and what does he do? Y'all know. It means, come on, baby. In Texas, this means, I'm going to kick your bodiggity. He does this. I believe Jesus stands in front of every one of us, especially this time of year when we're gathered around him and his birth, and he does this. Not inviting us to a fight. In fact, maybe it's more like this. He offers us himself. He says, hey, are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Come to me. I'll give you peace. I'll give you rest. You know anybody that's worn out? Tired? Maybe dreading Christmas a little? Not everybody's pumped up about Christmas. Somebody that needs peace? I'm talking to people that are in this room. Jesus is saying, come on. I invite you to my peace. He is literally telling us, come. My peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give to you. Now, how do you and I give peace to others? First, you got to have it. It's relational. Got to be right with God. Got to be right with others. Secondly, you got to live it. It's got to be viral. There's got to be something different about you. Are you contagious is a great question. But thirdly, it has to be invitational, which means that we give others peace by inviting them to Christ. So here's the question that I'd like everybody in the room to consider and think of at least one person. You ready? Who do you know that needs the peace of Christ this Christmas? I got a couple of my pagan buddies in mind. Guys that are a long ways from God. Guys that I hang out with. I got them in my mind right now. Who do you know that needs to find their way to Christ this Christmas? And the question goes even further. Who do you know that you could invite to a Christmas service this year? Gallup is a guy who does a lot of surveys about religious questions, about church life, but he also surveys unchurched people and studies them. In a recent survey that he did nationwide, he asked people who don't go to church, how likely would you be to come to a church service during Christmas time if you were invited by a friend? Now catch all the qualifications in that. A friend invites you, to a church service at Christmas. For some reason, people are more open at Christmas than any other time of the year. Are you ready for the results? 67% of unchurched people said, I'll go to a Christmas service with a friend if they invite me. I like those odds. I'm going to invite at least three people just so two of them will come. Two out of three. Wow, are you kidding me? The issue is not that they won't come. The issue is I'm not inviting them. Somebody invited you to Christ. 
We did a study at Westside years ago. We were a church of 5,000. We were doing about 14 Christmas services, crazy Christmas schedule. And uh, we wanted about six weeks before Christmas to, to think, let's do some extra advertising this year. We had some money for advertising, and we decided, let's, let's put this in something that counts. And we literally surveyed our people about six weeks before Christmas, all the adults in worship, and said, tell us what advertising helped you first come to this church. How did you hear about this church? Did you drive by? Did you hear about us on radio? Did you see something on social media? Did you get a card from us in the mail or a brochure? How did you hear about Westside? 85% told us they were invited by a friend. We saved the money. And stood in front of our people and said, here's invite cards for the Christmas services. You're the most effective advertising we have. Who do you know that you can invite? Now, let me talk to you about how to invite them. You guys are doing eight Christmas services here over three days Christmas. So here's how I would invite them. Here's how I'm going to invite my two friends to one of the five services on two days that we're doing. You guys got eight choices. I'm going to say, Jason, I've been wanting you to come check out my church for a long time. There's a cool thing happening at my church. We're doing eight Christmas services this year. Here's the schedule. Hand him the card. I would love for you to tell me which one of these you can come with me. I'll pick you up, and I'll take you to lunch or brunch or dinner afterwards, and I want to ask you, how'd you like my church? I want you to tell me what you thought about my church. Will you go to one of these eight Christmas services with me? What's he going to say? Yeah, why? Because he's a purpose-driven eater. That boy likes to hang out. And when I say to him, I want your opinion about my church, he's going, huh, that's pretty cool. I've already got relationship with him. He's already seen that gospel is contagious in me. He's going to show up. And I can guarantee you that Pastor Christian is going to tell anybody you bring about Jesus next weekend. Wow. We can give away peace. Jesus left us peace. He invited us to give it away. Somebody gave you peace when they invited you to Christ. Who can you invite to church this Christmas? Hope you got a name. Hope you got two or three. Go for it. Somebody invited you. I end with this story. Every home has a division of labor in the home. And my wife is a Christmas nut. She thinks she is Mrs. Santa Claus. She buys more gifts than anybody ought to buy. She goes overboard every single year. Every year she says, I'm going to cut back. And every year she lies. I mean, it's just who she is. She's just into Christmas. She grew up very poor. Where some years there wasn't a gift of any kind under the tree for her, and she is making up for it in spades. So our deal is she does the shopping, and I do the cleanup after the explosion. You know what I mean by the explosion? 
I mean, you're sitting there and you're doing gifts. And at our house, we're not neat and organized as we go. Everybody throws their paper and their boxes into one pile in the middle of the floor. Now, if you do it that way, you do have to sort through the pile and make sure you didn't throw out a gift card. You got, you got to look through that thing. But there is just this explosion that happens. And then our deal is Mary heads to the kitchen to start working on the Christmas meal. And I'm in charge of the cleanup. Just like she fixes Christmas, I'm in charge of the dishes afterwards. Every home has a division of labor. So one year, it's about to be 25, 26 years ago, our kids are still small. We've had the explosion. Everybody's carried their gifts to their individual rooms. And I'm left with the mess. And I have two large, kind of those, those steel-lined trash bags. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just hefty, hefty, hefty stuff. And I'm filling these things up, and I fill two of them, and I think I'm done. And I sit back on our couch, and I am a sigh person, and I do one of those deep, <sighs> kind of like, whew, that's done. And as I'm sitting there in silence, I hear Jesus whisper into my heart, What did you get me? It's my birthday. What did you get me? It is a strange American tradition that we celebrate one person's birthday by giving gifts to everybody else. And I sat there and thought for a minute. And I ran back a little further, and we had one of these sectional couches that's got pillows, you know, a big cushion you're sitting on, three of those. And I stuck my hands down the side of either cushion just to kind of sit there and brace myself for this conversation that Jesus and I were about to have. And when I stuck my hand down between the cushions, I found one of these. One of my wonderful children had tucked a bow down between the cushions. I pulled it out, just looked at it for a minute. And then I went over and sat as close as I could to the Christmas tree. And did that. And said, Jesus, I've given you me. I know it's what you want. I've done it before. But I need to do it again. And as silly as this looks, I've done it every year for 25 years. That's really funny to see somebody my size try to get under the Christmas tree. <laughs> and my kids now know that I do this, and my grandkids know, and they all stay in the room and help me clean up the gifts to watch Papa put a bow on his head and crawl under the tree. They all also know what it means. There's two ways you can give away peace this Christmas. You can renew your own peace by bowing up some moment on Christmas Day and committing yourself again to Jesus and the peace that comes when we're right with him and we're right with others. But the second way you can give away peace this Christmas is invite somebody to do a Christmas service and a meal with you. Bow up, church. Let's give away peace.